Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is December 18th, 2019. It is a Wednesday. Uh, it is not been a great week for Ladder. I've been trying a bunch of stuff since release, and um, not much of a matter. Because about like if if you if you've been following the show for a while, you would know that this is typically the episode the the, uh, the part in an, an expansion life cycle where I'd be bringing a ridiculous hat on and we'd be talking about all the decks. And we decided we were going to hold off for a week because about two days after the set came out, as you know, they announced the nerfs. That nerfs were coming, but not to what other than to touch shaman. So, um, you know, and, and ladder, I, I can talk, I tried a bunch of everything and nothing really worked and I'm still kind of sitting at the rank five floor. Um, so it's not really a whole lot worth talking about. Um, I, I, I have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the nerfs. I want to talk about how we got here from like a development standpoint, cause I've been seeing a lot of takes and I've been kind of saving a bunch of stuff up and I wanted to talk about this all at once because like... I knew we were going to have the nerfs, and I didn't know when I was going to be planning an episode, and I figured I would just save that all for the episode, so um, that's what we're doing. So we'll just kind of, I'll, I'll skip ladder, and we'll just kind of get right into that, and this is, this was like literally announced while I was on the train home, so you're getting the hottest of hot takes from me on like what, on like what these nerfs are, so we'll just get right into it, so... The, um, they're, they're predominantly targeted at Shaman, despite some of the stuff that's happened over the past week and some of the, um, some of the developments. So Corrupt Elementalist, which is the 5-mana 3-3 three, three that, um, that invokes Galakron twice, that's going up to 6-mana, up from 5. Um, Sludge Slurper is going down to 1 attack from 2. Faceless Corruptor goes down to 4 attack from 5. And Mogu Flesh Shaper goes to 9-mana from 7. So these... these are all very clearly targeted at Galakrond Shaman, which has been kind of the best deck. It, I don't believe that there was anyone in uh, Masters Tour qualifiers this past week out of 18 qualifiers who qualified without Galakrond Shaman in their list, in their in their lineup. Uh, and it's been like the top list, like if you go search on decks in HS Replay, it's just lit Galakrond Shaman after Galakrond Shaman with the occasional like Face Hunter and, um, and Rogue mixed in. So, these nerfs feel like not a lot, and, and, and I guess to some extent that's what we should expect in a patch this close to release. Like, they're not going to radically blow up these cards, right? And, and I don't think we necessarily want them to. Like, we, okay, so let, let's... Let's talk about why we nerf things before we get into these nerfs specifically. I think it's probably a good place to start because, you know, there's there's a bunch of things that people have suggested, and, and a lot of them are like Warsong Commander style nerfs. And if you've not been playing this game forever, there was a car. There was a, there was a long time ago. There was a deck called Patron Warrior, which uh, revolved around a card called Warsong Commander, which is the basic card that uh, at the time read all your minions that cost. Um, I think it, it's that cost two or less um, have charge. So what would happen is that you're, you would summon a whole bunch of Grim Patrons. You would, you would um, 
buff them up and, and duplicate them, and you'd have, you play a Frothing Berserker along with the Warsong Commander, do a whole bunch of, like, Warpaths and other things that would damage the, the Grim Patrons and make more Grim Patrons that you could damage again, and then you go face with the, with the Frothing Berserker for, like, a gazillion, right? So, at the time, they nerfed that to say, your minions with charge have plus one attack, which basically made the card unplayable, because there are just not that many minions with charge, and it was, it was designed to basically nerf the card into the ground. And, and Patron Warrior actually stuck around for a while, but it was unplayable for immediately after that, and, and then people figured out how to make it good again. But I don't think that's really what we want, what we want nerfs. Like, that may be what it feels like you want, because, you know, losing to a deck that's broken kind of sucks, especially if it's not too fun to play. Uh, but we don't really want that, generally, right? Like, we want... Like, there, there are always going to be powerful decks, and powerful decks in and of themselves are not problems. Like, if you're... If you're playing a powerful deck and the other person's playing a powerful deck, that's fine, right? Like, that, now you're both playing powerful decks and you can do powerful things to each other and, and that's fine. The problem is when one deck is so far ahead of everything else that you feel stupid for not playing it. Right, and that was kind of the point where Galakrond Shaman was getting. So, what we needed to do was not nerf Galakrond for Shaman into the ground. It was not to make these cards completely unplayable. It's to make them more fair, right? So that the win rate of Galakrond Shaman would kind of come in line with everything else, and it could be beatable, but still be powerful, and that's okay, right? Like it, it it's to bring the power level of that deck in line with the rest of the set. So these nerfs being small, but this is still kind of a it's it's a cumulative effect, right? Because you're getting you're taking a bunch of of these cards and making small changes to them, but you're hitting the same deck four times. And that's going to make the overall power level of the deck um, like weaker on average because you're hitting so many of their cards. Like this is eight out of 30 cards in the list. When you think about it that way, because you have two copies of each, right? So I think it's, it's, it's kind of tempting to look at this and say, well, this isn't going to do anything. This is like, these are small changes. Why, why didn't they do something more? Why didn't they, you know, make all the elementals one attack? Why didn't they make um, why didn't they make the, the things coming out of Galakron four fours instead of eight eights when you, when you invoke it twice, four times. And they could have done that and they probably would have made the deck unplayable, which would have felt bad for people who just invested a whole bunch of dust into it. And yeah, you get dust refunds, but you're not getting a dust refund for Galakron because you got it for free and you know, you're not getting a dust refund for a lot of the other cards you may have crafted to play the, play the deck. And really, you still want Galakron Shaman to be viable. You just don't want it to be oppressive. You don't want it to be the only thing that you can play in the meta consistently, right? You don't want it to be the deck that no no deck legitimately... I mean, I don't want to go that far because you could counter it, but not easily. That you need to really hard tech against it and then at the detriment of your other matchups in the meta. So, on a whole, I think that these, these nerfs were not what I was necessarily expecting. Um, and I'll talk about some of the things that I would have liked to see also. But I think that these kind of 
will bring the power level down to a reasonable a reasonable place. And I think it'll be just enough to kind of make Galakron Shaman, uh, you know, on par with the rest of the meta, which was starting to come up to meet it anyway. So let's talk about these individual changes really quick. And, and like, Corrupt Elementalist, moving it up to six mana is, it, it's again, it's going to seem like not a lot, but making it so that you can't go Corrupt Elementalist into Corrupt Elementalist into Galakron is actually a big deal. Without the coin, obviously. Because you could just, you know, get Kyle Grand on curve with the weapon on seven a lot of the time. Now you're going to have to invest more time. They were starting to cut like some of the some of the neutrals, and I don't know that you're necessarily going to be able to do that with get with with Shaman. Because there there are some Galakron decks where you can get away with only invoking twice and not needing the full value off of the Galakron. In Shaman, you really want to invoke the four times. So yeah, you can do it with. Uh, you you can't even really do it with hero power on seven. You're going to need to wait to eight. And, and so that's a big deal too. So like that one mana doesn't seem like a big deal because it's already kind of expensive for what it is. But first of all, you're playing a six mana three, three along with it's, it's six mana for seven, five worth of stats versus five mana. That feels more on balance anyway, just in terms of like what a vanilla minion is because it was already overstatted at five mana and being able to, you know, delay that a turn will make a big difference in terms of when you get Galakrond online um, as a shaman, which you're, you're obviously trying to do because you get the eight eights and you get the weapon. So that's that's a that's a, a significant change, even though it doesn't feel like it. Sludge Slurper to one attack. Um, you're never playing Sludge Slurper for the body, but it does trade well, and so making it a one one for one. It's I mean, if you think about it, it's actually kind of bringing it in line with Evil Cable Rat because Evil Cable Rat is neutral, and it's a one one for two that gives you a lackey right away, and you're still paying the two mana. You just oh, one of its overload um, because it's a class card. So, like, and the class card should be better than the neutrals, but not... It, Sludge Slurper was just, like, way above rate, and it was played in every deck. So this at least will not let you... There will be a little bit of a penalty for it, because you're not going to be able to trade cleanly with it, at least with, you know, with, with the early minions that you would trade with. Like, getting a 2-1 for 1 mana, even without the lackeys, is not terrible. Um, so, again, it's, it's like, it's going to help you be able to like do a flood strategy or something like that early before they can really get a lot of their elementals online. Faceless Corruptor going down to four attack. Like I, I still feel like this is too strong, but four and five is a big break point. Like it is a lot harder to uh, kill five attack minions and four attack minions and being able to do 10 damage for five mana with something on board or six mana. If you just play a lackey was way too much. It, it was it was way way too high. Um, I I don't know if this is enough to make it fair, but I'm I'm willing to go along with them that you know this is a first pass at bringing it down, and like they only have like like the the problem with doing nerfs in Hearthstone is that you're working all with integers. It's not like in like a MOBA where you can like turn the attack speed up like 0.2 attacks per second or something like that. Right, so you're you're working in integers. So an integer change is a big deal. Like moving up or down one is is kind of a big jump. So going down to four attacks, that means it's going to be eight damage that it can do instead of ten. Uh, I'm gonna wait and see, but it it feels okay. Um, it still feels like it's going to be a strong card. It may still be one of the best neutrals in the set. But being able to do ten damage, being able to, I mean, you can still take out like a mountain giant with this, but you know, being able to do 10 damage immediately was too much. And being able to do five damage to two targets was too much. So, and also, you know, it hit, it's going to hit you 
a little bit less hard. Like the difference between four and five attack is that, you know, a four attack man minion needs to swing into your face six times to kill you. A five attack minion or a five attack minion needs to swing into your, into your face six times. Uh, four attack minion needs to swim into your face eight times. So like those numbers do add up. Um, so uh, we'll see on that. And Mogu Flush Shaper is going to go to nine mana from seven. So what this is going to mean for Mogu is it's going to be a lot harder to get it out on curve and it's going to cost more when you can get it out. Um, and, and what that means practically is that it's going to uh, swing games less by coming out on turn three or four and turning into an eight drop. Now it is going to turn into a 10 drop and 10 drops are on average better than eight drops, but it's also probably going to get played less just because it's going to come out less. Like you got really punished by playing like three minions against a shaman because those three minions, then they would play, you know, one or two and then be able to play the Mogu out. And now that's going to be like, they're going to have to play three minions of their own. You can have a reason, a small board against them. You still have to be a little bit careful if it still gets played, but it's not like generally it would punish you for playing minions at all if they had a board. And this will be less of that unless the board is really, really big and it may just drop out of the list entirely because nine mana is a lot. That's I mean, Sea Giant gets played only in real true flood type decks and maybe in like a token shaman, Mogu still gets played. But I think in like a Galakrond shaman where you're only building up like mid-sized boards, it, it may not be good enough, especially when you need to run Mutate alongside it. And then that will make room for some other cards in the list. So, like, these all seem, like, really insignificant, but when you think about them a little bit, a little bit more, um, you know, more critically, they do actually make a significant difference. And again, these are four, these are four separate nerfs that are hitting the same deck. I can't stress that enough. So, like, usually we've had, like, one or two nerfs hit a, hit a deck, and it's, pretty much took like like when when waggle pick rogue got hit i think that that was that was three three nerfs and that basically destroyed the deck and the changes again were not that big they were one mana here one mana there um these changes are all small but together they because all those cards are running the same deck it makes a cumulative difference so i think this will help i think galakron shaman will still be playable and you may try some other things I think you probably still run Corrupt Elementalist because you're just going to have so many little crappy minions that it's still a four, two rushing 4-4s four is fine. Um, you may you probably still run Sludge Slurper just because lackeys are good. But you may, you know, you may drop the Mogu and the Corrupt Elementalist you probably still play, but it's going to help you get to that full Galakrond a lot less often. So it'll be a little bit slower. It'll give you a little bit more time to react against those. All right, so... What does this mean for the meta? Is obviously going to be the first question that anyone's going to have asking, you know, out of something like this. I I think Galakrond Shaman's going to come down to earth. I think it'll still be playable. I don't think it's going to be the best deck. I think it'll be a fine deck. It'll probably still be strong, but it's not going to be like oppressive strong it's not going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the decks which is again we just talked about what do you want from a nerf this is what you want from a nerf right so what is that what does that mean for the rest of the meta so the one thing that i think a lot of people were expecting to see addressed and and i'm not super surprised that it wouldn't be because they announced these nerfs on thursday and this deck was just barely starting starting to 
to be a, a thing would be Necrium Apothecary. So Necrium Apothecary, if you've been lucky enough to avoid this thing, it, it you know, it's a four mana, two, five, death rattle, uh, combo draw a death rattle card from your deck and gain its death rattle. So a lot of people have paired this with Anubisath Defender, I think is the name of the card. It, the nine mana, like nine, seven death rattle that um, gives all the minions in your hand plus three, plus three. <clears throat> so you do that. You um, you get a copy of that in your hand. You play Anchor the Berry to make it one mana and, and one mana one one to play it. You have Necrium Blade and Necrium Vials. So basically you're giving all of your minions repeated plus three, plus three buffs. And then you have things like Leroy and, and uh, Deckhand to just charge your opponent down from with it. And, and you can use things that have Rush. You can use like Vicious Scale Hide for healing and for, um, for board control. Like you can just drop a bunch of one mana like four fours and seven sevens it, it, it's kind of like it's been described as kind of like a, a new coming of quest rogue which you know of course is going to give anybody the shivers because everybody quest rogue is everyone's favorite deck and it, it i ran against two of them back to back this morning i was actually having a conversation on twitter with ridiculous hat about this today because it's it's when it high rolls it feels like you're completely helpless and there's nothing you can do like if they get necrium blade into um into apothecary into Anka, like you lose, you, you just lose. There's not a whole lot you can do because they, the minions in their in their hand are going to be head and shoulders bigger than anything you're going to be able to play at that point in the game, unless you're playing a mirror, obviously. And it is, it, it's you know, it's difficult to come back from that unless you have a lot of clears and very specific answers. And you need an answer for the weapon. You need a silence or a polymorph, and you need to be able to deal with the the death rattle that they just drew, especially if they have Anka in their hand. I am nervous that they're not doing anything about this, but I'm, I'm also kind of okay with it because we don't have any control decks in the meta right now. And the reason we don't have any control decks in the meta is because of Gal Galakron Shaman. Like, a control deck really can't deal with the consistent pressure that a Galakron Shaman puts out. It's getting a lot of free minions. It's Eventually, once it plays Galakron, it's creating minions from a hero power. It, it can't ever really clear. And even if it can, it can't really put on counter pressure particularly easily. So you really don't have a lot of, a lot of options for control decks. That could change. And control decks will have enough answers for these sorts of things. It can run a, a Swamp Booze or a Harrison. It can run Silences. It can run Polymorph in the case of Mage, right? It can run just hard removal, like Twisting Nether, like Plague of Death, like Brawl, that other than Twisting Nether, sometimes in the case of Dragon Handlock, you really just don't see those cards anymore. So, and because they're just, they're they're not good against Galakron Shaman because you just have too many boards to answer. And, and answering a board with one card it doesn't really matter in terms of card advantage when they can just build up another one immediately. So, uh, control decks could come back. Also, removing one big boogeyman from the meta could allow other things to come in and target it. Like, like the the shot the the rogue deck is very slow, especially if it doesn't draw that card on time. It's really just playing a bunch of middling one ones until it finds an Ekrim apothecary. And if it draws both of the Anubisats first, then it just loses. 
unless you get exactly Anka and can get it all down, but even then you're losing a lot of value off of those death rattles because you're, you're not proccing them an additional time or two. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's counterable. It might be counterable if you're not also trying to counter Shaman, right? Like you kind of have to pick your battles against that. And, and generally you're going to try to counter the Shaman because it's everywhere and the Rogue is less everywhere. So if ro you need tools in your in your deck for Rogue, but those tools are going to lose you the game against Shaman because you can't be playing a two mana three two when they're playing two five two five mana two uh, five fours for five mana, and then playing multiple two ones to trade off your three two and continue to develop, right? So it's um it, it you need to you just don't have room for those kinds of tech cards, and now you might be able to. Um, the other kind of big bad in the in the meta right now is face hunter and face hunter i think is developing as a reaction to the fact that galakron shaman is the big the best deck in the meta and the galakron shaman takes a few turns to develop so face hunter's trying to go so effectively death rattle roach trying to go over the galakron shaman and face hunter's trying to go under it and it's trying to go under it by using the 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 one mana one three to use the hero power to pick off the small minions and then creating things that do damage to face without actually having to connect face. So using the leper gnomes and toxic reinforcements, using the hero power, using life drinkers, using kill command, using a bunch of burn spells, right? So that's how face hunters winning. Face hunter can run out of steam, especially if it draws secrets instead of getting them off of a face hunter. Is that what it's called? Phase shift? Well, I don't know. Whatever the, the two mana two three is that um, that's that plays out a secret from your deck whenever you whenever you hit the hero power. So again, we do not have control decks, right? Like if you have a control warrior that's armoring up every turn and that doesn't need to worry about having enough enough gas to be able to keep up with a Galakron shaman and can just sit back and tank up and you know run shield blocks and weapons projects and just armor out of range it can probably get there like same thing with the priest that's heal if if you we end up we actually end up with a control priest from my mouth to god's ears <laughs> you know if you have a control priest that's running like cartoon defenders with resurrects and the Sandhoof water bearers and penance and you know the other things that will heal you um you know you you might run the face hunter out of damage right but you can't do those things right now because if you try to do that then shaman walks all over you so it might like the thing to remember about metas is that they're always ecosystems it's never like want like you need to adjust the cards down for a deck to make it not playable. A deck is only as playable as the opponents that it has in the meta are accommodating to it, right? Like, Face Hunter is a very straightforward deck that is intended to get rid of Galakron Shaman and Death Rattle Rogue before they have a chance to get on board. And it can do that because there are no walls in its way. There are no control decks. So if we do get control decks back... As a result of Shaman coming down and the other decks being a little bit more susceptible to control decks, then maybe Face Hunter is a viable deck, but not an oppressive deck, right? Or you can, again, tech more healing in 
healing doesn't matter when you're getting rushed down by four eight eights in a turn, but healing super does matter if you're getting hit with leper gnomes and kill commands and uh, and and steady shot, right? So, I I agree with the sentiment that rogue and to a lesser extent hunter feel like they ought to have been touched, but it's also important to keep in mind this patch came together extremely fast and had to be rushed out before the holidays. So, I would rather if if I'm looking at what Team 5 is going to do to address this, I would rather they take small steps and then do another balance patch before the new cards come out if necessary. And Ixar said that they're going to do that, that they're going to get back in the office first week of January and they're going to start looking at the data and see if anything more needs to be touched. I There might be. There may very, there very may, may well be. Um, but I think that this is a good approach in terms of how quickly they had to rush this out, probably with not as much testing as they would like to have for a patch like this. And then keep an eye on it and see, as long as they're willing to nerf again, then this is okay. And they've they've shown that they are willing to nerf quickly and nerf often. So I'm willing to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt on this and then we can see how the meta develops around Galakron Shaman coming back down to earth a little bit. Now, as far as how we got here, right, I think this is worth talking about a little bit, both in terms of the actual card designs and also about the, the process that we got here, because there's been a lot of chatter. I mean, there's always nerf, nerf, um, like nerf suggestions and nerf brainstorming and whatever, like how would you fix the meta? And none of us are card designers, right? Well, most of us aren't. I'm not. Um, and there's also like the whole like how did Q, how did Final Design miss this? I'm gonna talk about that in a second because I do have some I don't have game dev experience but I have devel enough development experience to talk about that a little bit. But as far as the, the the cards go, I think that one change that I would love to see them make and and I don't I don't know if they'd be able to do it as part of this kind of a balance patch, but they just did something similar with Echo and I would love to see them do this is to have the, the cost of cards that have variable costs that decrease based on some, you know, some some board state or some game state, like the Giants, like Mogu Flesh Shaper, um, you know, those types of things. I would love to see them maintain the cost that they were played for when they're on the board. Like, the problem with Mogu Flesh Shaper, and we also just went through this with Conjurer's Calling not too long ago, but it's far enough away now that we've probably forgotten about it. But the problem with Mogu Flesh Shaper is that you are playing it for zero or close to it and then getting an eight drop if you have the right card. And and the fact that the lackeys, that you're going to get Witchy Lackey generated means that very often in that deck, you will have something to evolve the Mogu and get an eight drop out of it. And that's been the problem with Mogu Flesh Shaper. The problem isn't how early it's coming out. A rushing 3-4 is not a problem. Like, it's a control tool. Like, you, it normally would say, let's say it comes out on turn 4, right? So does Restless Mummy. Restless Mummy actually does more damage than, than the Mogu Flesh Shaper, but the Mogu Flesh Shaper has the, has the advantage of getting mutated and then turning into an 8-drop. And I think if you were playing it for, let's say, 4 mana, and you mutate it and you get a 5-drop, that feels a lot less unfair. If, especially if you're playing it for zero and you mutate it and you get a Northshire Cleric, that feels a lot fairer, right? I think it's not so much that 
you have this card that can be rushed out early. The fact that it can come out early doesn't matter. The fact that it can come out early and always gives you an eight drop matters a lot. And the same thing with like Mountain Giants and Conjurer's Calling, right? Like, or even like the cards that are coming out of Luna's Pocket Galaxy. The fact that every card that comes out of Luna's Pocket Galaxy is of the original cost is a problem. And that was a problem in that deck. It just made everything a Conjurer's Calling target. Like you play a nine drop for one and then you get it, you get two nine drops. Like that feels bad, right? That was a little bit less of a problem because it was coming out later, but it's still kind of a problem when you're talking about how much you can do in a turn. So the one change that they didn't make that I would love to see them make is just have them pre preserve that cost once they hit the board and, and continue to, to make a, make a minion for the purpose of these transform effects. I think that would make these decks feel a lot... These kinds of plays feel a lot less high rolly. They might invalidate some, you know, some strategies, but I think I'm okay with that, right? Like, it, it just... it You shouldn't be getting a minion that early, that consistently, that big. And that's a lot of what felt bad about it. Like, if you, you know, when you're facing down an 8-8 on turn 4 and you have no answer for that because it's too early... It feels like there's nothing you could do that game, which is also kind of the problem with Necreum Apothecary. But I'm hoping that there are some counters to that that will make that a little bit more palatable. Um, the other, but but in general, like I think the there's been a lot of armchair quarterbacking around why have we had so many of these types of issues with with the cards that are coming out? Like, are they not testing enough? And, you know, why, or, or are they just bad at it? And, and I don't, I, I don't think they are, right? I think that there's, and this is not just Hearthstone. This is like every video game ever made. There are people who think that they know how to develop video games better than the game developers do. Because all these things look real simple from the outside when you're not doing it. Like, it, it looks really simple to just, like, like when the Sonic, the Sonic movie came out and Sonic looked like something out of a nightmare, nightmare fever, nightmare dream. And people were like, well, why don't you just change it towards Sonic? Like, make it look like Sonic. And then they did. And like, well, that was that so hard? Like, yeah, that was probably millions of dollars and several, like, dozen people changing it to make it happen that way. It doesn't just happen by, like, waving your hand. Right, and this is kind of the problem with development is that when you generally are good at your job, it, you make things look easy. And so, when they are difficult or when they are get them wrong, when they, when they do when you do get them wrong, then it's like, well, well, what's wrong with you? Why do you suck? It's like there was a there was a I know I keep making these other analogies. There was this uh, controversy or a couple weeks ago where Ninja, the Fortnite streamer, was like criticizing some kicker who missed a kick in a football game. It's like, you know, imagine being paid millions of dollars and not be able to do your job. And it's like, well, no, there's like angry men rushing down at you. And it's actually pretty hard to kick a football, you know, 30 yards through uprights. And, you know, he messed up and it happens. Right. And but when you don't do it and you see because when you see that in the NFL, you see people at the top of their game. It looks like it's the easiest thing in the world. If you've ever tried to kick a football, it is not easy at all. Certainly not to kick it that length and not with people bearing down on you and trying to like separate your head from your shoulders. So, but it looks easy when you're watching the NFL because like they very rarely miss kicks that are with it, that are like more, less than 40 yards out. Right. So, cause that's there. Cause there's 32 of them 
in the league. And there's the best 32 at their job at any given moment. So all that is to say that the final design team has a really hard job because what they're trying to do is they're a small group of people and what they're doing is they're trying to figure out all the broken interactions before they get to us. So point one is there are a lot of broken interactions that I, I imagine that they catch that never see the light of day that they send back to the initial design team and they get fixed and that we never see and they avert a lot of disasters before we get to them. Like there are clearly have been some missteps, but there's also over a thousand cards in standard and you're trying to find every potential like optimal deck to abuse those things. And, and the people who are on the final design team, like Chalky and Cora are both extremely good players. I don't know about the rest of the people on the, on the final design team, but I know that they are, they are extremely good players and, but there's only two of them and, and they have, you know, there's only so many things that you can keep in your imagination, right? Like you're relying on a small group of people to figure out every way to break it. And they may be very good at breaking things, but they may not be able to do everything. And so I, I think that it's misplaced to blame a broken meta entirely on final design when we don't know what other changes they made that could have made, kept it from being worse. And ultimately, they're only human and they can only, they can only do so much. And also, it's worth noting, they, are, they can only work with the stuff that the initial team, design team provides them. Like, there needs to be at least a little bit of, you know, responsibility laid at the feet of the initial design team for going as all in on Rush as they did. Like, we know that Rush in large quantities, especially when it's not being costed for, can be really, really broken. Like we've seen this with, um, with how Master Shaw in recruit, in recruit hunter. We've seen this with Doctor Boom in every control warrior since the rotation. Right, like too much rush is not a good thing. But they went like really all in on rush. Like faceless corruptor, even at, at four attack, is is a bonkers card. And like everything coming out of shaman having rush is is pretty. It can be pretty oppressive. It can make it hard to play a board based strategy and. You know, they'd still made the decision that those cards were okay to print, and then final design has to try to figure out how to how to balance them. And sometimes you can't, or sometimes you do, and sometimes you can't without making them unplayable. And sometimes you do, but you know, it doesn't. It, it, you you didn't go far enough. So, I, if you're tempted to be taking this out on the final design team, I would very strongly caution you to not do so. The one thing that I did see in in some various and sundry um, posts about this is the idea of opening up a PTR for Hearthstone. And this is the one part that I do think that the team really ought to consider. Because, like, we had, we for the last several, several expansions, there's been a streamer event where they've flown a bunch of streamers out and had them play on a separate server and get access to the cards and quote-unquote theorycraft them. And there's, I, I, theory crafting is the wrong word because theory crafts generally imply that you can't actually test your designs after you've theory crafted them. You're just kind of, you know, coming up with a theory of how the deck would work, but you're not actually testing in practice. So those streams are not theory crafting streams, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but you know, you have those people going out and testing those things and trying to, you know, trying to figure out what the what the decks are. But again, it's a small group of people, right? We also have a number, and, and I'm not saying this is the way you have to implement it, but I'm just saying, like, this is what's happening, right? We have a lot of people who are logging in to open up their cards at pre-release events, and then they can't actually build decks with the full their full collections 
So they can they can build decks with just the cards in the new expansion, which doesn't really tell you anything. Or you can play with the pre-made decks, which are already kind of tuned and balanced to be fair against each other. Like, you have those five days where people are opening up their cards and playing with, trying to play with the new cards anyway. If we had a PTR, right, yes, some people would get a jump start on deck building, but the people who are going to get a jump start on deck building are probably the people who are going to break the meta regardless of when it happens. And you would get a lot of data early. Like, if it only takes two days to figure out that Galakron Shaman is broken, then let's open up the BTR from the day that the final card dump happens until, like, the Sunday, collect some data off of those games, and then see if you need to make any changes before everybody has these cards in their collections. Right? Like, this could have theoretically been averted if we'd had everyone building Galakron Shaman and beating themselves above the face and shoulders with them, and then say, okay, well, we need to make these changes before we go live, before everybody starts opening up their packs for real. Right? Because, again, go, let's go back to what I was just talking about. There's only six or eight people on the final design team. I don't know what the actual number is. There's not very many of them. They're, they're very smart. They're very talented, but they're only going to break the decks that they can think of. So if you add another couple tens of thousands of people trying to all break the meta at the same time, and other Blizzard games do this, like Diablo does this for every season. They have a PTR and they invite people to build out, you know, the most broken broken sets of gear, which are effectively like decks in this game are, are the, the gear sets in Diablo. And and try to break them and they make changes to those before go live. Before the new season comes out. Like, this is not a, a an out there concept. So I'd love to see Blizzard try to open that up. It would also make it a lot fairer for people who want to quote-unquote theory craft to actually get their hands on the cards and try to test out those designs ahead of the, the first day and, and give everyone kind of a fair shake at being able to, to try out those decks without having to be a streamer with, you know, with, with 20,000 followers or whatever you need or, or be partnered and, and be playing Hearthstone primarily. Like, you know, open that up to the rest of the, the content creation you know, people who are in your sphere and open it up to just normal players too, right? Like give everyone a shot at that. Don't make that like your, your stream viewership must be this tall to ride, right? I think that would, it would do a lot for, you know, it would do a lot for the community, just inviting them in to do that. Cause it kind of does feel like an exclusionary thing. And, and one of the things that a lot of the community relations and, um, and, and esports has really felt like there's kind of like this ceiling where, you know, certain people are invited and certain other people aren't. So, you know, removing one of those barriers is a good thing anyway. And then it would provide you a whole lot of data to be able to, you know, tweak the meta. So it seems like a win-win and that's something that I do hope they would consider. But I mean, other than not having enough data to work on, you know, they're doing the best that they can. And, and I don't think it's productive to start, you know, like I'm sure that they are doing postmortems internally to figure out how this meta got this broken. We don't need to do that for them, right? Like, let them figure out how to keep this from happening again. I'm sure that anyone who works in development and, and takes it seriously takes a lot of pride in the stuff that they build. And nobody likes to be on the on the receiving end of a, a patch that went badly, right? I'm sure that all those people feel terrible enough without having the, the wrath of the internet call down on them. So let's, uh, you know, team, team 5 has made a lot of good positive changes this year. I haven't agreed with all of them, but I've agreed with 
the fact that they're trying different things and they're and they're improving, I'd say let's give them the chance to you know do a retrospective and, and figure out how to keep this from happening. We don't need to tell them how to do their jobs. They know that this was not good. We don't need to tell them that. And I, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to go into you know a future set and be able to um, you know be able to get a healthier meta. I, the other thing that I would hope that they would consider because they've tried shaking up the meta a lot by doing different things. I would love it if they considered rotating cards out earlier um, and doing like a one in one out. I don't think that's likely to happen the way that the uh, that the Year of the Dragon's been structured because all the sets build on each other, but I would love to see them consider that. Like maybe instead of putting new cards into standard, maybe you're taking 135 cards out of standard in the middle of the expansion cycle and then everyone has to build new decks again. Like that's something that we could try and then you wouldn't have to print new and broken cards, but that's probably a discussion for a different day. All right, that's it for me, and I am almost home, so we're going to wrap it up here. Um, if you are going to be listening to this before Friday the 20th, I will be casting um, the DreamHack Anaheim uh, Weekend Pass Qualifier, uh, along with Necra, it looks like, on Friday. I don't know exactly what time, because it's going to depend on when the earlier rounds finish, but uh, do keep an eye on my Twitter for that. You can find my Twitter at WickedGood on Twitter. Um, you can also find the show notes at offcurve.com. You can find the show's Twitter at offcurve on Twitter, twitch.offcurve.com and discord.offcurve.com for all of your streaming and discording needs. Uh, please do leave a review on iTunes if you are so inclined. You can also support the show with, um, with money. Thank you for Number Theory for being the latest one to support the show that way. Um, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate everyone who can, you know, contribute a little bit and, and help me kind of put some some additional funds into things like replacement microphones and, you know, streaming, streaming equipment and stuff like that. So I can make more content for all of you and, um, you know, enjoy the, the new meta. It'll be fun to play with all the cards and not just the shaman ones. So, um, until next time, good luck in whatever your goals are. Enjoy, you know, the new meta once we get the patch tomorrow and, uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.